Welcome back to our Philippian studies. We will invite you this time to open your New Testament to Philippians chapter 2. And a good introduction to Philippians 2 is a verse we studied recently back at the end of chapter 1. Do you remember this in Philippians 1.27? Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Or in the English Standard Version, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And we observed that means our daily behavior should show we are people who have obeyed the gospel of Christ, and our purpose is to live in keeping with that commitment. Well, that will mean an attitude that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. In the passage we will study in this class, that right attitude specifically toward others, is clearly defined. This is Philippians 2, 1 through 4. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. I'm going to begin the class making a statement that at first may sound exaggerated. And I'm not trying to be overdramatic or anything. I just believe this is what the Bible teaches. If your attitude is not right, I don't think you can fix anything else. Because everything else in your life depends upon attitude. Your participation in worship, your responsibility to your spouse and children, dealing with people, handling temptation, enduring suffering, being properly related to other Christians. See, if your attitude is not right, you cannot effectively handle or deal with or fix anything else. It is exactly as Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. If we will develop good focus and clarity about attitude, what's between the ears, that will put us in position to properly approach every other aspect of practical life. Just look at the words and phrases packed into this little paragraph, encouragement, Comfort, love, affection, sympathy, joy, in full accord and humility. Where does all that take place? Between the ears. Attitude. And then observe what is forbidden. Rivalry and conceit. So this passage is about attitude. And this attitude of unselfish humility is essential in order to please God, follow Christ, have personal peace of mind, and the emphasis here is to live 
in harmony with others. First, in harmony with God, and then as a product of that, living in harmony with others. Unselfish humility, right attitude. Every one of us ought to be interested in this brief, simple block of instruction. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. In the opening statement, I want to highlight the word if. The word if is used in a variety of ways. Sometimes if is conditional. If you meet the condition, there is a specified result. In other contexts, the word if may express doubt. But I think in this case, in Philippians 2 and verse 1, the word if is more like our word since. Since you have these things in Christ, you can have a good attitude and be united not only with God, but united and work well with each other. In Christ, there is encouragement or consolation. There is comfort. There is love, fellowship, affection, mercy, participation. The message is, you are a blessed people in your union with Christ. Since you have these things in Christ, you have a good, united attitude. That's the main idea. That's what this is about. And this is what we all need. We need to so appreciate the blessings of being in Christ. We are encouraged and highly motivated to develop and maintain the right kind of attitude, our frame of mind. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, here's what I'm anxious to say based on this and other passages. We cannot be united with each other until we are first united with Christ. Our relationship with God through Christ is the basis of our good relationship with each other. And when we address the subject of unity, we need to be sure we work from the right place. And the right place is in Christ. If I'm living in him and you are living in the same spiritual location, spiritual realm, we will be able to be united with each other and strive together for the faith of the gospel, as it says back in chapter 1. And this will please God and glorify Christ and be in keeping with what the Holy Spirit is telling us here on this page. Are we all following this line of thought? Let's take it further. Some of you have the King James Version. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. 
in the English Standard Version, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let me repeat something I said a few classes ago. We were talking about preachers who may deliver the right message, but their motives may not be correct. Back in Philippians chapter 1, verse 17, preaching Christ out of rivalry. And I've made this point many times. For a man to think about elevating himself above another is never a right thought. And I've said for a preacher to worry about why some other preacher has more attention or more praise or acclaim, there is never a time when that kind of thinking is justified or worthy of your time. Now, here in Philippians 2 and verse 3, we are back to that. And it is exceedingly important for every one of us to get this. Preacher or not, selfish ambition or conceit has no good place in our attitude. Rivalry doesn't heal, it kills. There is never a time Never a place, never a circumstance, no occasion ever when we should be driven by selfish ambition or conceit or rivalry. The New International Version says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing. Just forget it. These immature, selfish attitudes can never be justified. Uh, if someone suggested... Let's have a preacher contest and reward the best man. We can't do that. We don't do that. If somebody said, let's have a song leading competition, there's no place for that. It would have no spiritual value. And I think we all realize where there is selfish ambition and conceit, people don't get along and the Lord's work is not done. Isn't that right? You show me a group of people where there are power plays, battles for personal prestige, rivalry, desire for recognition. It's ugly. There is discord and division and tension that people can see and feel and that turns outsiders off. Selfish ambition kills churches, dishonors the cause, makes people sick, and most important, it offends God. So let's make up our mind. We will have no part in it. I need to make a specific choice in my own head about this. You need to make a specific choice in your own head about this, that you will not have a parade in your own honor. That you will not exalt yourself or look down on others. You will not praise yourself, boast, or act in conceitful, immature ways. Listen to Philippians 2, 1 to 3. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, Paul said, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Can, um, can you think of any other passage that addresses what is addressed here in Philippians 2? I want to give you something to think about. Other passages that address, with other words, what is addressed here by Paul in Philippians chapter 2. James 3, 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Here's another, Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then here's one more in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, but you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? See, we have to learn what good attitudes are in keeping with the gospel of Christ. And then we have to evaluate ourselves, review that teaching, and determine personally we will do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It ruins us. It inhibits unity. It displeases God when immature attitudes take over. The rest of verse 3. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. English Standard Version, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. These are the other passages we covered. And here's what we're talking about now. The last part of Philippians chapter 2. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Now let's be honest. Sometimes we come to a passage in the Bible like this and our first thought may be, that doesn't really mean that. That has to be some sort of exaggeration 
there must be some interpretation or figure of speech or literary form. Uh, honestly, sometimes we want to take the power out of a statement. We want to argue our way around it. While there is such a thing as hyperbole, I'm convinced in this context, looking now at the last phrase in verse 3, we need to let this stand and be challenged by it. Consider others better than yourselves. If we try to take something off this in the last part of the passage or minimize it through some sort of sophisticated explanation, uh, I think we're going to wind up putting ourselves above others. And arranging ourselves above others in such a way that will take us away from everything this passage says about good attitude, genuine humility, and everything the Bible says about serving God and glorifying God. Verse 4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now, our selfishness may not always be well concealed. We talk about ourselves. We get upset when people don't pay good attention to us. We expect people to treat us in a certain way, and we are almost defensive before we meet people wondering if they will give us the attention we believe we deserve. We may have our greatest interest directed to what people can do for us rather than what we can do for them in the Lord. Self-centered preoccupation is just not very graceful, but immature and just wrong-headed. And so I'm back where I started. If your attitude is not right, I don't think you can fix anything else. If your attitude isn't as described in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, I don't think you can fix anything else, folks. Time for my wrap-up. Our inner disposition is reflected in everything we say, in how we say it, in all we do and how we do it. So if we don't have the heart right, the attitude well in submission to God, we're going to have all kinds of problems. You can be correct in your concepts, but wrong in your attitude and be lost. You can be correct in all your externals, singing, giving, etc., but be lost because of a hateful attitude. Everything gets back to what our attitude is, first toward God, the fear of the Lord, and then toward others. That inner disposition is the constitutional makeup of who we are. The only way to get, get that right is for Christ to live in your heart. Some translations have the word here, lowliness, instead of humility, and that may throw people. That doesn't mean you beat yourself up, demean yourself, or make an intention to be overly self-critical. 
it means you turn away from inordinate pride. You refuse to boast or praise yourself. You don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And Paul is an example of what is taught here. I found this in Hendrickson's commentary. I'll close with it. It is probably not too bold an assertion to say that Paul himself had grown in this grace of humble-mindedness. He who during his third missionary journey called himself the least of the apostles, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, styled himself the very least of all saints during his Roman imprisonment, Ephesians 3, 8, and a little later, during the period that intervened between the first and second Roman imprisonments, climaxed these humble self-descriptions by designating himself as chief of sinners. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. I want you, after you have ended the video, to go back and read again Philippians chapter 1, 27. Start back at 27 and read right on into chapter 2. And think about what's between your ears. Thank you for being with us during this class.